Hello, my brothers and sisters. Thank you for joining us once again for During Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Steve Kitts. Well, let's get into it with a prayer, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for your wonderful grace and love. And we thank you, Lord, for giving us this guidance and the ability and the platform to be able to talk to people and to share your word with them. And maybe it will bless somebody today. If it does, Lord, bless them hearty. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. Give us this word. Give us the Holy Spirit to help us, guide us, and to teach us, and to help us get this message out to the ones that need it. In your blessed holy name we beg. Amen. Allowing room for grace and growth. Today I was wanting to address things about being newly saved or maybe some newly married people. As you get further away from the honeymoon phase and deeper into comfort and intimacy with your spouse, sin can creep in. Satan hates family and unity. Let's be clear about that. So of course he attacks it with little annoyances here and there and passive aggressiveness. God created the first family, which is Adam and Eve. What did the devil do but attack and destroy their relationship with God? This is another lesson that we can learn much about, but that's not what we're going to talk about today in this lesson. We're digging into Ephesians 4, 17 through 30, teaching couples to put on the new, holy identifying with Jesus and give no opportunity to the devil. So I'm going to read this to you. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. This I say therefore and testify unto the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as Gentiles walk, but in vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkness, being alienated from life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts, who being past feeling, having given themselves over to last lasciviousness and work all uncleanness and the greediness but ye not so learned Christ if so be that ye have heard of him and have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus that ye put off concerning the former conversations of the old man which is corrupted according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of the mind that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, therefore putting away lying, speaking every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which are good that he may be given him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edification, that it may be ministering grace unto the hearers. And grieveth not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So this lets us solve conflicts. It happens again and again all across America. 
A couple meets, something clicks, a romance begins, they fall in love, and as soon as they stand up in front of a group and pledge their lives to one another, family and friends look on with beaming smiles. Everyone agrees they're such a perfect couple. But at some time after this idyllic scene, problems hit. Couples begin to discover they are not as compatible as they had thought. The romance dies. They each have different goals and desires. Conflict grows more intense and more frequent. They finally conclude that they are no longer in love and they go their separate ways, hoping to find someone else the next time who would be more compatible. I read recently of an actress who had ended her 40-day marriage claiming irrecoverable differences. But the problem is rarely the lack of compatibility. No two people are compatible. The problem is not knowing how to solve conflicts God's way and being willing to go God's way. Two people who live together in the closeness of marriage are going to have conflicts. Even spiritual Christians will. A good marriage isn't one where two compatible people never have conflicts. A good marriage is where two self-willed people have learned to submit to Christ and to work out their differences in Christian love. You will have a satisfying marriage to a degree if you learn to solve your conflicts God's way. You don't need more compatibility mate uh, as much as you need to learn how to become more of a compatible mate. In Ephesians 4, 17-32, Paul gives some principles for solving conflicts. We can solve conflicts if we put off the behavior of the old man and put on the behavior of the new man. So what is that? The source of the conflicts, the old man. The main source of conflict is our old man or our old nature, our old thought pattern. All of us are like sheep gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And that's Isaiah 53 and 6. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? It is not the source of your pleasure that wages war in your members, James 4 and 1. That old sin nature, the old man, flesh. I'm using these terms interchangeably, uh, and it pits us against one another and results in a conflict. A number of other factors also, when coupled with our sinful nature, leads to conflict. We come from different backgrounds and experiences types of families and where we're from, income levels, etc. We have different habit patterns, different convictions and different values, different perspectives and ways we think as men and women. We have different goals, etc. But with all these factors and underlying reasons for conflict is our old man is which is self-seeking, living to gratify in its own desires. But when you came to faith in Jesus Christ, A radical change took place. You became a new person in Christ. You bent towards sin was not really eradicated, but God made you a new person, creating in righteousness and holiness in the truth. The power of the old man was broken. When you were saved, you took off your dirty clothes and put on a new man like a clean suit of clothes. And you involved in ongoing process of renewing your mind you're allowing jesus you should be allowing jesus to change you as a person to be more loving like him 
That process continues as you count as a true experience and behaviors in reality of changing spiritually that took place at salvation. You must believe what God says, that you are a new person in Christ. You must act upon the truth in your behavior. As you learn to believe that God said about you in Christ and act upon it daily, you will learn to get along with other people, whether your mate or others, because you are daily dying to your old self. So you can resolve and solve conflicts by putting on behavior of a new man, just like Paul specifies in verses 25 through 32. Paul spells out behavior changes in the new man. A new man replaces falsehood with truth. Paul is applying the principles of relationships in the church, members of one another. But how much more does it apply to married partners who are one flesh with one another? There must be complete truthfulness of communication and that takes place so conflicts can be resolved. At first blush, you might think, that's not my problem. I don't lie. I'm very honest. But because we fear confrontation and because we don't want to cause trouble or because we're afraid that if our real feelings are revealed, the relationship might suffer, we often fail to speak the truth. I have counseled with wives who are ready to divorce their husbands. And I've said, if you've ever talked honestly with him about your problems and they said, no, I couldn't do that. He would explode. He would overwhelm me with his anger. So they'd rather divorce than to speak the truth to their partner about their problems. Paul uses the analogy of the body here. If you get leprosy, your hand and it's in pain, it doesn't communicate truthfully with your brain. You can actually burn your fingers off without really knowing it with leprosy. For healing and correction to take place, there must be truthful communication. You can't deal with a problem if you're not aware of it. To plaster over your feelings or thoughts and put on a happy face when there's a problem does not foster healthy relationships. In reality, that kind of behavior is more destructive than speaking the truth in love. I'm not suggesting that a couple be ruthlessly honest by sharing everything. Some things don't need to be shared. I can't give the formula on what not to share. That's a message in all by itself. And I will say this, the motivation in speaking the truth must not be selfish. To gain the upper hand, to further one's own happiness, or just to get it off your chest. The motivation must be to grow in godliness and help others personally grow by coming more fuller under the leadership of Christ. In other words, the motivation is biblical love to seek the highest good for your mate because you care deeply for him or her. With that motivation, a couple must learn to lay aside falsehoods and speak truth that conflicts can be resolved. But proper anger has its place in dealing with conflicts. This verse is implicit in the number of explanations. I think that Paul is implying here that something worse than anger in a relationship, namely indifferences. If you are deeply for someone and he is repeatedly sinning, his sin should make you angry. Indifference shows that you are not loving. So Paul cites in Psalms 4 and 4, he says, Allow the sin of a person to stir you up enough to deal with it. 
But he quickly adds, be careful. When you get angry about someone's sin, it is easy to cross the line into sinfulness, selfish anger. Do not do that. In your anger, do not sin and do not let it fester for days on end. Deal with it. Put it aside so that you can grow and not be bitter. Don't let the sun go down on your anger and you will not give the devil the opportunity to lead you astray too. That is the proper sense of the verse 26 and 27 as I understand it. In other words, anger that flares up because I did this on my way or I didn't get my way or because someone has offended me, that's sinful. Anger that blows up and never pro- is never proper because it is not under control. We are to be slow to anger, according to James 1.19, because God is slow to anger, Exodus 34.6. Anger that clams up and does not confront the problem, but just goes into a slow burn, often with hateful and vengeful thoughts, is sinful because it's acting on the base of itself, not on the purpose of seeking truth and reconciliation. Proper anger is motivated by the knowledge that sin destroys people. In verse 4 and 28, Paul is not taken primarily about marriage itself. He's talking about the need for Christians to be honest, hardworking people who are orientated towards giving and not taking. But there's a principle here that applies to resolving conflicts in any relationship. The old man is motivated by selflessness out to get what he can for himself, preferably without any effort. He looks out for his own needs and isn't concerned about others' needs, except to exploit them for his own benefit. But you can never resolve conflicts if both parties are trying to exploit or enrich themselves at the other's expense. The new man, however, is not a lazy, self-centered person. He works hard in order to give the other more for the other person. He looks out for the needs for, of his mate and tries to meet those needs even if it means working harder for himself. He is not in the relationship for what he can get out of it, but what he can give to it. Instead of complaining, my mate isn't meeting my needs, he is asking, what am I meeting of my na- mate's needs? The main reason for many couples why they can't resolve their indifferences is that there are thieves in their own marriage. They rob their partners of love and respect. They don't give them their time. Worst of all, they don't give themselves. Replacing selfishness with giving is a key to resolving conflicts. With both partners looking out for the needs of others, they can arrive to a mutual agreeing solution. Destructive speech that tears down the person will not resolve conflicts. In Proverbs 12:18 states, There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of, a th- thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. In other words, your tongue can be a sword to wound or kill, or it can be a scalpel to deal carefully with the problem and bring about healing. A rotten speech includes name-calling, sarcasm, ridicule, mockery, gossip, slander, blaming, destructive criticism, angry words of threats or revenge, griping, complaining, lying, profanity, and filthy talk or dirty jokes. Words whose purpose is to wound and not heal must be put away. 
We're not to hold our tongue forever. We're to replace destructive words with constructive words that build up each other. That's at the point of the need. And not because he deserves it or because God is gracious and thus we are gracious in our speech. Grace is undeserved favor. There's a proper place for criticism and confrontation, but it should be with the goal of helping and not hurting. A good rule of thumb is, if it's painful for you to criticize, you're probably safe in doing it. If you take the slightest pleasure in it, then hold your tongue. The motive should be to help each person onto a mature relationship with Christ. Correction should always be done in gentleness. Our goal should never be to win. We want God to win and be glorified as we both submit to Him. We'll close in a prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, let us put away the old man and put on the new and show people around us, Lord, how good you are. As we go through life, we're going to have troubles and we want to show others, Lord, of your goodness and your grace. We thank you and we praise you and lift you up in your blessed name we beg. Amen. I want to take a minute to talk to you about Buzzsprout. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new market or a channel, may I suggest that you share your thoughts and your ideas with the world. And it's just so fun to have a talk show. Podcasting is very easy, inexpensive, and a fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in major podcast directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and many more. Within minutes of finishing each recording, Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. And a team that they have at Buzzsprout is passionate in helping you succeed. They want you to succeed. Join with over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. Let's go ahead and create something together. God bless you.